Richard Floyd asks, why do they call it golf? Because all the other four-letter words were taken. (laughs) Some of you all feel that way out on the golf course. Some of you feel that way when you hit your hand with a hammer. Is using the Lord's name in vain all about contempt? I think that's the way most of us think about the third commandment. We're going through a series called Breakthroughs where we're looking at encounters with God, not just rules, but at every one of the Ten Commandments, a place where we can encounter the living God. And we have to ask the right kind of question about the third commandment. You know, the first is one God, no idols. Second one, no idols. Respect God's name. All right? One God, no idols. Respect God's name. Is it just about avoiding using God's name in a contemptible way? as some kind of cuss word. Using God's name in vain instead is as much about using it too lightly as anything else. It's not so much about what you say or don't say when you hit your thumb with a hammer or hit a bad shot. It's about your secret praise. What do you really praise in secret? From the Word of God, Ecclesiastes 2, verses 12 through 17, what you'll see as Solomon, who calls himself the teacher, Ecclesiastes, the teacher, the gatherer, is someone who sees that when words are meaningless, life becomes vain, empty of meaning. Not so much about what you do when you hit your thumb with a hammer, but what is your secret praise? Hear God's word this morning. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. Let's think about that. Let's think about wisdom and madness and folly, he says. Is there any difference? For what can a man do who comes after the king. So he's asking, you know, is being a king something? Is being a wise king meaningful? Is it meaningful? Is it weighty? The only thing that can be done after uh, one king is that what's been done already. Then I saw there's more gain in wisdom than in folly. There is more gain in wisdom. As there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet, I perceived that the same event happens to them all. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life. Because what is done under the sun, that's the key phrase here, under the sun, was grievous to me. 
For all is vanity and it's striving after the wind. This is the good news. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father in heaven, help us to take a bold and fresh look at our reality of life under the sun. In Jesus' name, amen. O-M-G. O-M-G. You think, Tim, that's very irreverent that you would even use those initials. Well, you're using them and you're reading them and you're thinking, ah, no big deal. Oh, my groceries. Oh, my groceries. That's what a friend of mine, uh, Marvin Hardy, uh, I've told you about Marvin before. He's the guy, he's my, my best friend from college who has uh, been balding from birth. He knows I say that, by the way. He, <laughs> balding from birth. We used, to, we used to call this mountain near, uh, near our college uh, where there was a receding tree line. We called it Mount Marvin. Marvin, Marvin's one of my best friends, and um, when, I, when I first met Marvin, he, it, one of the first things I heard him say was, oh, my groceries, oh, my groceries. But I think he's trying to say something else, but it came out, groceries, what does that mean, oh, my groceries? It's called taboo deformation. You know, when you say something else in replacing uh, something that is not socially acceptable, here's the problem. It's become very socially acceptable to use God's name lightly. Lightly. What happens when you use words like awesome to describe a piece of toast, right? Oh, that's awesome toast, or that's an, that's an awesome car, right? What happens when you see something that's really awesome? Then what do you say? Very awesome, very, very awesome. And we're taking the name of God and we're using it because we're stretching like on extreme home makeover. What do they say every time they walk in? They try not to say it because they're stretching language. They're they're trying to take language and they're trying to, to express something ultimate that they feel awesome. Well, see, I, I think what, what we're striving for this morning is to see... Through this writer, Ecclesiastes, who's kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit. That if life is only under the sun, it's meaningless. That a life apart from God is vain, lightweight. That God's third commandment is not so much about avoiding his name, but using it in reverence. And using it often in secret praise. So let's take a look at how God wants us to know him on a first-name basis. He's given us his name on a first-name basis. The name Yahweh is the name that God gives himself and the name that he, he expresses to Moses as his very name. And it's used over 6,000 times in the Old Testament. God wants us to know him, in other words, on a first-name basis. Why? What's the benefit? Well, first of all, there are three, as you might guess. There are three benefits. (laughs) The first benefit is 
That when we know God on a first name basis, when there's weight to the relationship that you have with God, when you know him on a first name basis, in other words, you're having a personal encounter with him. In other words, you're using his name in a personal way, even secretly. When you do that, your life has weight. Your life becomes weighty. Weighty. Not vain. Your life begins to have weight. There was a commercial years ago where uh, a Dunkin' Donuts commercial, you remember this, some of you? Um, you know, the guy would walk in, time to make the donuts, right? And then he walks out and then he walks in at the end of the day, I made the donuts. You know, it's just like, oh gosh, life is a grind, right? And here's Ecclesiastes, the king, Solomon, the greatest king to have ever lived. And he's saying, whether I'm making donuts or whether I'm curing cancer, whether I'm a fool or whether I'm a king, life is meaningless apart from God. He's saying, take a look at your life. Take a look at it. Ask yourself the question, is it meaningful? What gives it weight? What gives your life meaning and significance and weight? You know, one of the things that drives people to fame and success and achievement, fame, success, achievement, is simply looking for life to have weight and worth, for life to be meaningful. And here's Solomon, and he is famous, and he's successful, and he has achieved. He's done great things, and he's saying, whether I'm a king or whether I'm a fool, life apart from God is vain. vain, vain it, it, the word for, for vain here is really just saying it's, it's a vapor, it's in other words, in, in modern parlance, it would be, you're just full of hot air. Hot air, hot air. Life apart from God. And so, so the third commandment is not so much about being squeamish and tiptoeing around God's name, but to use it as a way to connect with him. To use it in a way that says, my life is weighty because I know a weighty God. I know a weighty God. You think of it this way. There was, uh, you know, the, the great cathedrals of Europe. If you go, I, I used to, to, um, to know all about this one cathedral in Durham, England. I spent the summer there and, and uh, I remember learning how amazing this, this thing was put together that uh, it wasn't designed like the columns weren't designed after they were put together. They were designed by masons who were engineers from the smartest people of their day designing block by block. And then when they put it together, just incredible design. And even in places that the public cannot see, there is, uh, there is an intric- intricacy and beauty 
to the design of some of these great cathedrals. And you'll see places, uh, other places in Europe where you can go and tour and, and, and they will show you sculptures that, that they had to tear out because they're so beautiful. They tore out part of the ceiling so that you could see it. And you ask the question, why was someone who was a mason creating such beauty where no one would see it? And the Mason's famous reply of that day was, God will see it. Even in the places in in the Lord's house, as they understood it, in God's house, even in the places where the public will never see, no one will never acclaim me, it'll never bring me fame or achievement or fortune or success, God will see it. There was a sense of the eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. What gives your life worth and weight? Ask yourself, are you using God's name in a weighty way? Or are you using it as hot air? Are you using it as a vapor? Are you speaking it? Lightly, without much significance to the fact that the God of the universe has revealed his very name to you. The third commandment is about using God's name. It's not just about avoiding God's name. It's about using it in a weighty way. And second... Understanding that God has called us to know him on a first name basis. The purpose of it is not just to give your life weight, not just the whole of your life, but moment by moment along the way. Are you using God's name in a weighty way? Along the way. Along the way, not just when things get troubling to you, but along the way. I had this, years ago, I had this recurring dream. Now, I say I don't have it anymore, but tonight I will. Great. Uh, this recurring dream, you know, recurring dreams are never good, right? The recurring dream uh, that I had years ago was that it was exam week, or it was like next week was exam week. I was in college, and I realized I forgot about one of my classes for the whole semester. It was German. <laughs> so I'm in my dream, I'm like, how do I cram for a German exam next week, right? Now, I've got three going to college next year, and uh, I have to tell you, I never did anything like that. Not even close. I wouldn't waste my parents' money like that, young, young three. That's directed at, at my three. But it was this recurring dream that, 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 that I'm, I'm trying to catch up in the last minute. That along the way, I, I didn't pay any attention to the fact that I had a German class. You know, that, that, that's often the way some of us function in our spiritual walk. You know, they say there are no atheists in foxholes, right? You've heard that before, haven't you? 
There are no atheists in foxholes. Or when you're at the end of your rope is when some of people call out to God and they, they wonder where he is. Well, where was he along the rope? Where is he along the way? You see, the third commandment is not so much about squeamishly avoiding God's name and using it in a way that would be considered contemptible. It's about using his name. It's about connecting to him along the way. It's about recognizing that life under the sun, this this term that, that, that Solomon uses, under the sun, the idea here is that if God is just a means to an end only when I need him, then I am viewing my life as only life under the sun. Only what I can taste and smell and touch and see and hear. That's all there is to life. Life under the sun. Well, then life under the sun is vain. Whether you're a king or a fool. If you're not using God's name along the way in a weighty Way you don't know him, and yet he's revealed himself to you. He's given you his very name. Use it. What is your secret praise? Brother Lawrence, who lived, he was a monk who lived in the 1400s. We still know of him today because in the small moments along the way, he simply practiced the presence of God. That's, that's his book, The Practice of the Presence of God. It's a modern classic. It is still considered to be one of the great books of the world. Why? Because Lawrence, Lawrence understood he, he was the lowest man on the totem pole living in obscurity. Not only was he a monk living completely in obscurity, he was the lowest monk. And yet he taught us the highest praise. His life was worthy and weighty. He saw his life as meaningful moment to moment. Why? Because he made it his practice simply to remember God, simply to to speak his name in the quiet, the secret place of his own heart. He acknowledged God's presence. He had dispensed with all other formal disciplines of the spirit, spiritual disciplines, and simply turned his life moment to moment. He made a practice during when he's serving these monks in the kitchen, when, when he's making the donuts, right? Time to make the donuts. Moment to moment, he's simply remembering God, acknowledging his presence, turning more and more of his daily moments, his daily consciousness to the simple fact that God is present. And what does that look like for you? It could simply mean in the quiet of your own heart, speaking his name in a weighty way so that the personal name of Jesus, the name of Yahweh, the name that means I am that I am, not just a vapor, but 
not just a breath, not just hot air, but the one who exists, the one upon whom everything that we know rests, that he is present with you. You see, it's not just avoiding God's name, not just respecting God's name by avoiding using it in contempt, but using it, using it in a weighty way. And finally this, God wants us to know him on a first name basis, right? He wants you to know him on a first name basis, not only because it gives your life weight, not only because it gives your life weight moment by moment, but because it honors him. He wants you to use his name. He wants you to know him on a first name basis because it brings honor to him. Ask yourself, do you like people saying your name? How do you feel when someone says your name? Don't you like to hear your name? We love to hear our name. You know, Andrew Carnegie, you take the Carnegie course, and one of the things that they said, two, two things is, first of all, smile and look people in the eye, right? Carnegie course. Smile and look people in the eye. But use people's name. Why? Well, Andrew Carnegie knows people love to hear their name. They love to hear their name. Now, see, if you understand that God is not a concept God, you see? Not a concept God, not a means to an end, not just what you cry out to at the end of your rope. Then you understand that God is a person and loves to hear his name, loves to hear you use his name in a weighty way. What do I mean by a weighty way? I mean to use it in a personal way, to speak to him on a personal level, to connect with him on a personal level. All else is vapor. You don't have a God when you're only crying out to him at the end of your rope. You don't have a God when you're not using his name except when you hit your thumb with a hammer. You don't have a God. You have a concept God. And your life is only being lived under the sun. And God is there to help you when you get in trouble. Well, then he's not going to be there in reality for you. The weight and the worth and the presence, the reality of God is not there for you. Only when you cry out to him in the foxhole or at the end of your rope. You see, God has given to us his name, saying that he's given to us himself. How do you you feel when someone uses your name or mispronounces your name? Do you notice, right? Do you notice? I'm not talking about nicknames. Now, my my uncle would call me Timo. Now, don't start calling me Timo. (laughs) You may not call me Timo, all right? Or Timmy. There are a couple of you in here that can call me Timmy, but you you already know that, who you are. But it's personal, isn't it? Even even if like some of you have 
Some of you have your middle name. This is like the bane of your existence. You go by your middle name. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so, you know, this is true, true for Beth. So Beth, Beth's middle name is Elizabeth, but her first name is Barbara. And so, you know, all throughout school, you know, they're calling out Barbara, Barbara. Who's Barbara, right? Some of you know that. And even if it's your name, if they get the wrong name, not the name you really go by, it, it kind of makes you bristle, doesn't it? What happens when someone calls you by the wrong name or forgets your name? It's significant. Why? Because in a way, it it really is you. It represents you. So think about that for a minute. I'm, I'm trying to get you to think about something truly awesome this morning. Not an extreme home makeover. Something truly awesome. God. The one who made the universe out of nothing, like there was nothing and then there was something, that God has given you his very name. There was a, a little experiment when they asked a bunch of kids, describe love. My favorite one, my favorite one, four-year-olds asked, describe love. My favorite one is this. When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Isn't that good? Who and what are you praising in secret? How are you using the name? the one who made you.